Would you clap your hands and praise the Lord this afternoon and magnify God for what he's about to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So glad to be here with you today in the house of the Lord. If you love your pastor, would you get loud and clap your hands and thank the Lord for him. This Pastor Kyle on. I'm just going to move this over here. So I don't... Hallelujah. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Book of Psalms, chapter 126, Luke 6, 2 Corinthians 9, and give honor to all the fathers that are here. And uh, just give honor to my beautiful wife, who's Warring with me with the three kids. Someone walked up and said, Happy Father's Day. I said, It feels like Happy Zookeeper's Day. But uh, when they're five, four, and one, it's a, it's a great time traveling. But uh, we are so thankful to be here. My wife is definitely worthy of honor for all she does on the road traveling with me. God is doing wonderful things. Just finished a revival in Dallas, and 365 people were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're thankful for that. This is not going to be a typical uh, mess. This, this church, as an evangelist, it's one of those churches that you wish you had more than one service because there's just so many things you feel when you're in the atmosphere that could just, the, the church is so powerful. But I definitely feel direction, and we have one shot, so let's go with this in the Holy Ghost and see what the Lord does. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6. Let's start there. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Somebody say, bearing precious seed. Shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together. And running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 6 through verse number 8. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly, shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that means leap toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I want to preach to you this afternoon on the subject, the essential key of sacrificial giving. The essential key of sacrificial giving. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's an essential key. Now, I just I know we had a long preliminary, and I know it's kind of quiet and tight in here. 
But right now, I'm going to pray, and we're going to change the atmosphere of this building, all right? Lord Jesus, take over this atmosphere right now. I bind any demonic spirit that would hinder the breakthrough. I come against any human spirit that would doubt or deny what you're about to do. And I release authority in this house in the name of Jesus. Release the gift of faith in every house. You know every situation going on outside these walls right now. Every physical condition, every financial situation, every marriage problem, every backslidden child. You know every detail. You know where the devil's attacking the hardest in every home. And I ask you right, you Kotalamahaya, I ask you right now that before we are done, that angels by the thousands would descend from heaven into this Saris, into this region, and go to war for miracles that only you can release. I thank you in advance right now for breakthroughs unprecedented in this church in the name of of Jesus. Would you clap your hands right now and would you get your mouth open and would you let hell hear you as you worship the name that's above every other name and at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. And you may be seated. I believe if you are a child of God that, and you are doing your best, as Pastor talked about a little bit ago, that the devil does hate you and the enemy does fight you. I do not believe that the devil himself fights you very much. I, I believe that demonic spirits will come attack you. But if the devil himself is fighting you, you're pretty high up there. Because in the Bible, the devil only attacked where I could find about four, five, seven people himself in the entire Bible. He obviously attacked Job. He asked himself to go attack Job. He obviously fought for the body of Moses, the Bible said. He fought Peter. Jesus said, Satan hath desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. He fought Jesus. He tempted him in the wilderness. He, he attacked the woman in the, in the Gospels that was bowed up 18 years. Jesus said, Satan did that to her. And the other two people that he visited, that he attacked, was in the middle of a red-hot revival in the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 5, when revival was exploding, there was a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. And Ananias and Sapphira had some land, and they were going to sell it and give it to the church. But instead, they held back some of the money for themselves and came and lied to the church. And when they did that, Peter said, Ananias, Satan hath filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost. You think hell does not care about giving, you've lost your mind. Hell worries about it just as much as hell worries about outreach, about faith. There are certain keys, and I've done this 17 years traveling across the world, and I've been to churches that have incredible revival, and I've been to churches that you have to raise the dead. You preach your guts out, and they just don't want it. I'll tell you the churches that have incredible revival, incredible growth, incredible miracles, they always have a certain few ingredients in the congregation. Number one, the first thing, the first key for revival is they have unity. doesn't matter what the potential is that God can do in a church. If the church is divided, if everyone loves everyone but hates their pastor or hates somebody on the platform or hates someone across the aisle, God is now bound and cannot do for you what he could do for you if you were unified. It goes against his word. A house divided cannot stand. Do you love your brother right now? Do you love your sister? If you want God to bless you, it's a great suggestion that you be unified. If hell's trying to get you mad at someone in church, they are trying to block you from a blessing that they see coming to you. Mm -hmm. 
The second key that great churches have is the key of submission. You cannot have authority if you're not submitted to authority. You cannot expect God to give you a position on your job of authority if you do not submit to your pastor as your spiritual authority. Where are all the shouters now? Oh, we love when we talk about blessings. But if you really want God to give you favor and power and dominion, you've got to be submitted yourself to what God has placed over you. Is there anyone thankful for your pastor in this building? If you're thankful, are you submitted to him? That's the key to being blessed by God. And some of you aren't clapping right now and you're making me nervous because if you really want hell to come at you, just show this church that you're not submitted to your pastor and the devil will be in your house before the week is over. Some kind of spirit will be in your house. You ought to thank God for your pastor. Thank God for your covering. Thank God for your protection. Thank God that you're under someone that will fight hell against spirits that rise up in your house. Another great key to great churches that I've noticed is demonstration. They always have people get the Holy Ghost. People get healed. People getting baptized. I wouldn't want to go to a church where people never got the Holy Ghost. I hate it when I get to places. It's been six months since we've had someone get the Holy Ghost. I'm like, you don't need a Holy Ghost message. You need a message about revival and stirring up faith and waking up because I believe that every week God wants to fill someone with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, some of you thought that was so cute, but that's the greatest miracle of all time when someone gets the Holy Ghost. You can be healed of brain cancer and go to hell, but if you get the Holy Ghost and you get baptized in his name, that's a key to going to heaven forever. I believe another great key that I've noticed in powerful churches is the key of consecration. They, they're praying. They pray. They fast. They're dedicated. They're on outreach. They're hungry. Whatever they can do to be involved in the kingdom, they have a relationship with God corporately and individually. I love it that this church in the song service keeps trying to stir the atmosphere of prayer because that does something. There's a church that has power when they begin to pray. A church that has power but does not pray is a church that power will not last very long. But if you keep seeing miracles, if you keep seeing God, God, pour out his spirit. You're in an atmosphere where people know how to pray. Do you know how to pray? If you don't know how to pray, you need to get a prayer life before you leave this building today. It's the key to having power with God. Turn to neighbor and say, brace for the next one. And every church that I've seen that's powerful, that has explosive growth, understands the key of sacrificial giving. There's a verse, put it up for me at Luke 6, 38. We read it, I've read it here before. I don't want to spend much time on this verse as much as I want to do the, the other stuff. But Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, Give and it shall be given unto you good measure. In the Hebrew, or in the Greek, excuse me, right there where it's originally written, good measure is better measure. Give and it shall be given unto you better measure. In other words, whatever you give to God will come back to you in a better form than what you gave it. Thank you to all six of you and the one that burped. I'm still telling the truth. Whoever gives to God will receive it back in a better form. Whatever the it is, is the thing that God will do. What's the thing you've been praying for? Give, it shall be given to you better measure or good measure, pressed down. That in the Greek is to pack in like you would a trash can. You know, when, when your wife says take the trash out, and you know I don't have to take the trash out, 
You can just put some pressure from above on the trash can, and the trash can will hold more than it's showing it will hold. That's not human. That's biblical. He said, you prove me and see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You don't have room enough to receive. When God blesses you, he said, I know you think you can't handle stuff, but when I decide to bless you, I can make room for me. That's why you can't get mad at God if you lost your job this week. He's making room. Shut up. He's making room for something bigger that he can do in your life. Don't get mad at God about the breakdown. That's a disconnection so he can connect you to what he's about to do. Give shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together. In the Greek, that is to stir up. Like you would stir up a pot of soup and the ingredients would rise to the top that were beneath it. But the sap knows all this. That were beneath the surface. That's what that means right there. But when you stir it up, that's what God's saying. Stuff that you cannot see that's beneath the surface. When you give to me, I give it back to you. And things you had no idea, there's something going on in your life right now. And you have no clue that God's working behind the scene. But when you give, he said, I've caused things to shake together and they begin to stir. Stuff rises. I'm hurrying through this because this is not what I want to preach about. And running over. That word running over, those two words mean to overflow. Shall men give into your, but the only way something overflows is if what's being poured into it has greater, has greater content than what it's able to handle. You put a cup under a faucet Turn the faucet on. The cup will be filled in a few seconds. You keep the faucet on. The cup will overflow. In other words, the source keeps pouring when the vessel can no longer contain it. And God said, when you give, it's how I give it back to you. I give it good measure. I give it in a better way. I give it packed in. I get it stirred up, and I make it overflow. It's not a heavenly thing I'm talking about because he said, men shall give it into your bosom into, not to you, into, which is a permanent release. I don't even care about all that. I just threw that in there for a commercial. But let's go to the next text. Psalm 126, verse 5 and verse 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. That word joy is renah. In the Hebrew, to have a ringing, sounding alarm. In other words, they that sow while they suffer will have a loud harvest. Y'all are tough this uh, Maybe I should preach on blessings and y'all get with me. He said, they that sow while they're crying are the same ones that will reap and they won't reap in a corner somewhere. Do you want a little harvest that no one knows about? Or do you want a church that everyone in Florida wants to go to because they've heard about the God of the tabernacle of Pentecost? They've heard what happens in this building. Now go to the next verse. And he that goeth forth and weepeth, watch this, bearing precious seed. Now, when I originally read that, I assumed it meant like seed you put in the ground to grow a crop. But that's not what it is in the original Hebrew at all. Bearing precious seed is nasah. Meshech Zarah, to lift up a trail of offspring. He that goeth forth weeping, carrying or lifting up his kids. Happy Father's Day, Dad. He that soweth with his kids on his mind. 
shall doubtless, which is without a doubt, come again, which is come back with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves, which means the harvest of the child. In other words, Hoshatiah, oh, if you've got a lost loved one and you cannot do anything to save them, when you start giving, when you start sowing, and you say, this is for them. Some of you don't want to shout with me now. You were all with me before. You don't want to give with me now because I'm stirring in your house. Anyone can cry, God save Aunt Susie. God save Uncle Tom. But when you put your money where your mouth is and say, this is for Aunt Susie. This is for Uncle Tom. This is for my dad. This is for my baby. This is for my grandchild. Something's going to happen. I've got a miracle in my house that waits and is waiting on me to break forth in giving. Don't roll your eyes at somebody shouting right now. They've got a loved one that they've been praying for, but now they've got a key and the next level of getting that loved one in here. Now sit down. I'm going to talk to you. The word said, He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly in other words what you give how you give determines how you receive all right there is a difference i want you to hear this between giving and sacrificial giving giving out of your abundance giving out of obedience giving out of faith that's powerful. Those are powerful things. Sacrificially giving means something dies. Some other plan, some other purchase, some other desire gets put on the back burner. Sacrificial giving is painful, but sacrificial giving is what moves God. We all know the verse in Philippians where Paul said, my God shall supply all your need. You know that verse? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches. We know all that. That's Philippians 4.19. We don't know verse 18 very well when Paul said, if you give a sacrifice that's got a sweet savor, it's an acceptable sacrifice. In other words, you cannot claim that God will supply all your needs if you will not sacrifice first. Wow. Let's go into this. I was in Stockton, and on a Wednesday night, a man walks down to the altar, Pastor, with his wife and two teenage daughters. And they walk up, and he lays, I think it was $11 on the, I didn't know this at the time, afterwards, $11 on the altar. And they get like a little football huddle, the family. And they start weeping and putting their arms around each other, and then they start worshiping God. What I didn't know was, that day, the bank had called him and said, you are $46,000 behind on your mortgage. We're no longer accepting anything you could possibly pay. You have 30 days to get out of your house. He took the last $11 that family had, went down to the altar. I'm not talking a single man. I'm talking a man, a wife, two teenage daughters. You know that's expensive. I got one little one-year-old girl. I know how expensive this is. He lays it on the altar, and he doesn't, he doesn't start having a, a pity party. He starts worshiping. And the next morning at 7.30, he's driving to work, and the phone rings. It's the bank. Hello? It's the bank manager. The guy's name in the church is Brother Rodriguez. He said, Mr. Rodriguez, this is the bank manager. Are you sitting down? He said, well, I'm driving. He said, pull off the road. He said, I'm so, what's wrong? Did I do something wrong? Well, you said we have 30 days. The bank manager said these words. Late last night, our board met, 
at the bank and we discussed your situation. We've never done this in the history of the bank. But late last night, we decided to erase all $46,000 that you owe and we're giving you your house. Now, you patty cake it, but if that was your house, you'd run the aisles right now. And that's why some people don't get blessed because they're never happy for anybody else. Same service, same service. Man walked down to the altar, put his last few, he had applied for over two years at over 100 welding companies. No one called him. Put his last gas money on the altar and worshiped God. And 7.30 the next morning, same time Brother Rodriguez got his phone call. This man answered the phone. And he said, hello. And a, a manager from a welding company said, sir, we saw your application. There were 500 applications. For some reason, late last night, we moved your name to the top of the stack. And we're asking you if you can come in tomorrow. We'll give you $50 an hour to start off. And we will begin this and the man had no idea that had he not done that the night before, God would not have shown. But if you show yourself to God and you give, God will show himself to you in the way that he can give. Same service. Young preacher. I know him now. didn't know him then. Out in the audience. His name was Morgan. Morgan Ellis. He's sitting out in the audience. He's been married a few months. He's saved his whole life very good with money. Saved thousands and thousands of dollars. Been married three months. Walks down to the altar with his wife with a check for every dime in his bank account. Lays it on the altar. Starts shouting unto God. The next day I'm in the church praying. About 1 o'clock, he walks in. I didn't even know who he was. He walks in. Brother Harry, he said, hey, my name's Morgan. I said, how you doing, man? He said, man, I got to tell you something awesome. I, I gave last night every dime I've saved my whole life, thousands of dollars. I gave every dime I had last night, this morning. I got fired. I said, I'm sorry. He said, I'm not sorry, he said. I've come to worship God. I said, what? He said, Obviously, God has something better he's about to do, and he already answered me. Some of you would be so mad you'd quit church for three months. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm a, I'm a salesman for a vacation uh, company at a sportsman, sporting, sporting good warehouse, and he said, I was a top salesman, and they think I was too pushy with a customer that I told them I got the wrong guy, and, and they, they didn't believe me, and they let me go. I said, he said, so I just came to worship God. He's walking back and forth, pastor, just dancing in the altar, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. As he's dancing, his phone rings. It's the company. Morgan, yeah, we've made a mistake. We had the wrong guy. He said, I told you that. They said, would you like your job back? He said, no, thank you. They said, What? He said, yeah, last night I gave everything to God. And the word said he'll give it back to me in a better measure. Pressed down, shaken together. You're offering what I already had. That's not God. Oh, I'm going to challenge your faith right now. Some of you got all kind of faith for healings, but you've got no faith for finances. Either God is the same God that can bless and heal, or he's not God at all. But the words that he owns, the cattle on a thousand hills. Heaven is his throne, and earth is his footstool. They said, what do you mean? He said, well, I don't want that job. I want something better. They call, I said, well, we'll have to talk. We'll, we'll call our manager. We'll call you back. A few minutes later, about 20 minutes later, they called him back. Morgan, yep. How would you like to be a manager making double the salary that you made? He said, one question. 
Do managers have to work Sundays and Wednesdays? The boss said, you know that's our policy for the entire company. Managers have to work Sundays and Wednesdays. He said, no, thank you. He said, are you kidding me? You're turning down twice the money with a position? He said, exactly, I'm not taking it. That's not God. He said, what do you mean? He said, why would God bless me with money then not let me in his house again? It's one thing when you have to take a position and you have to fill in for somebody and you've got some overtime. But if you're missing every single church service, that's not a blessing. That's a trap from the enemy to keep you from the house of God. The devil's not trying to stop you from getting rich. He's trying to stop you from being saved. He said, no, thank you. He's, I mean, he gets off the phone. He's like, Brother Herring, he said, I know I'm a nobody. He said, but people act like they got all this kind of great faith. They don't have faith for their finances at all. He said, you either have to have faith financially or, or don't tell me you've got faith. Because that's the God of this world. In fact, Jesus said, you cannot serve God and mammon or money. He didn't say you can't serve God and the devil. God in the world. He said, I know what's going to happen in those last days. People are going to try to serve me and money. That's why when you preach about giving, people get upset at you because you're messing with their other God. And you'd be shocked at the people in this room that have two gods. Oh, the more you sit there, the more I'm going to come after you. You'd be shocked at the people that I'll get with you, preacher, until you mess with my God. And when you mess with the thing... I'll accuse you, I'll say this about you, I'll think that about you, but the truth is, you serve another God. Oh, I lost my shouters there. Dagon's going to come down. Huh? I said, that doesn't matter what it is. He said, you shall not worship any graven image. You shall not bow down to any graven image. There's nothing. There's not an image on a dollar bill. That's as if, oh, shut up. That should have your attention like the king of glory has your attention. If Jesus is your only God, would you praise him right now and him only? It's starting to stir. He said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. They called him back. The manager said, well, I talked to the CEO of the nationwide company that we have here. Nationwide, was not, not that company, it was a nationwide company. And we told him, you wanted the position, but you did not want to take it because of Sundays and Wednesdays. The CEO said, by chance, is that guy a Christian? He said, we told him yes. The CEO said, well, so am I. He said, no one's ever asked for it, but because that kid did, give him double the money and give him the position and give him Sundays and Wednesdays off. Morgan said, now that's God. Come on, Joseph. Don't you settle for Potiphar's wife when there's a princess waiting for you. Don't you settle for something lower than what God's got for you. I wish someone would realize your God's not broke, your God's not poor, your God's not limited, your God's not weak, your God's not bound, your God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or even. Sit down, sit down. He told me a few months later, he was at, I think it was because of the times or something, and he said he was up in the balcony. His wife wasn't even with him. They had a baby by then. And he said, 
spirit of giving, sacrificial giving came on him. And he said he looked at the amount in the account. And he went down to the altar and wrote a check for every dime in the account again. Then he got his phone and texted his wife, do not use the debit card. She texts back, what did you do? He texts back, I obeyed God. He told me, he said, two weeks later, I got a call from another company offering me triple what the double amount was and give me all my services off also. He said, I'm telling you, there's a God. Now he's got his master's degree and is teaching at CLC, making more money than he was before because the power of God will not deny you, will not overlook you. God is not blind to your situation. I was in Tulare, California one night in a service like this on a, Wednesday, a Thursday night, and a couple, they came down to the front pastor. They were crying. I, I never saw them in my life, but I felt something. I had the whole church stretch their hands toward them. They put an envelope on the altar, and they were weeping. I asked them after church. I said, can I, I don't mean to intrude, but is there a, a certain need that's going on? They said, yeah, our well in our, in, our, in our house, in our yard, our well is drying up. The drought has taken all the water out of all the wells, and we have a few, this is a little bit of water left, and we have. It's a $22,000 job to get a new well in. We don't have that money. We just laid our last bit of money on the altar. I said, everybody pray. Everybody prayed for you tonight, though. They said, yeah, I said, something good's going to happen. One week later, they're walking around Costco. And the husband, Brother Sapp, looks at his wife and says, you know what? We give everything to God. There's no reason why God cannot just give us that well. 30 seconds later, his phone starts ringing. It's the contractor. Hello? He said, are you sitting down? He said, no, I'm walking around. He said, well, we've never done this before, but this morning we decided to give you your well for free. We're on our way to your house right now to dig it. I said, God knows. Now that's what God does individually. Let me talk to you about what God's doing corporately for churches. An old prophet told me one time, he said, sacrificial giving is the only thing that will break the back of a prince in a city. It, faith, that's, that doesn't do When people step out and go all in with God, it forces God to move and break through. And so I went to Louisiana in a service. This is about, I don't know how many years ago, babe, seven, eight years ago, nine years ago. And on a Sunday night, we, we preached this. And 250 people in that church, middle of nowhere, they had a little gym. They were, they, were, they were in their building. They were full up in their building. And we preached that. And on Sunday night, I think it was twenty-three dollars or $28,000 was laid on that altar. In one year, the church went from two fifty dollars to $500. They could not keep them in the building. They had to go into their gym, remodel the entire gym, because the people would not stop coming. A revival literally doubled in one year. I was at a church in this district on a Wednesday night, and I asked the, I asked the people, I preached about the spirit of sacrificial giving, and I said, I don't know what the history of this church is. And they had been there, I think, 50-something years at the time. They told me later. I said, but if you sacrifice and give, you this is Wednesday night, I said, Sunday, you will see the greatest harvest you've ever had in the history of this church. I turned to the pastor. I said, what's the greatest Holy Ghost outpouring you've ever had? He said, we had 10 one time get the Holy Ghost in one service. That's the greatest that I know of. I said, what's the greatest amount of baptisms you've had in one service? He said, nine. I said, okay. I said, if you will sacrifice and give Sunday, you'll see more than 10 get the Holy Ghost and more than nine get baptized. And I was like, I hope you're with me right now. Because I was going to be there Sunday. And the people walked up. It was the weirdest thing. In the altar call. And they walked up and prayed. But didn't give. And normally, that's what we want. We want them to walk up and pray. But the entire word from the Lord was, give. 
And they walked up and prayed. And God told me, and I know, I know this voice. He said, rebuke this. This is rebellion. I said, oh, okay, I'm kind of out there already. Might as well just go all the way. I said, you're rebelling against the word of God. And I turned to the pastor and said, if I'm wrong, then take over. But if I'm right, you need to help me right now. He got in the mic and he said, obey the word of God. They went back to their seats, got their money, came up and laid it on the altar. I was like, that was Wednesday night. Sunday morning, 24 people received the gift of the Holy Ghost. 11 were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. One man, he thought, I'm going to see if it really works. On Saturday, he went in his neighborhood and knocked on the doors. 13 of his neighbors came Sunday morning, and 11 of them were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. God literally saved a street. We were... My dad pastors in Alaska, little town, 5,000 people, maybe 8,000 people, Palmer, Alaska. Dad has been there 20, I want to say 28 years, 29 years. And growing up, I remember we always had about 50 people, 60 sometimes. It was just a small town. That's, how, that's where I was raised. And about eight or nine years ago, Dad started preaching about a hundredfold revival. How Isaac sowed seed in the land of famine. And revival broke out. He started preaching for an entire year. We're going to have a hundredfold revival. Didn't have any evangelists coming. Pastor Kyle, it's hard to get an evangelist up there. And for a year, Dad just preached it. After he'd been there like 19 years, 20 years. And in one year, the church went from 50 to 200. And they couldn't fit everybody in the sanctuary. And we'd go up there, and it was, it, was, it was chaos. I mean, the platform was about from here to that chair, and it was, there'd be 40, 50 people just standing room only. So they started building a new building on their, on their property. And they built it, and they, they, they came towards the end, and they were $60,000 short at Christmas of finishing it. They had all the guys in the church, the electricians, the plumbers, the carpenters, all the guys, but they ran out of money. And so from Christmas to Easter, nothing was done on the building. It just sat there and stared at everyone, every service. No one went in there. No one was doing anything. They couldn't work. They couldn't do one thing. And I went up there Easter week. I'll never forget it. It was a Wednesday night, and my dad who I love all my heart, but dad's real, got a real strong personality. I know you can't fathom that with me. But, and he said, Josh, preach whatever you feel tonight. Now, my dad has never once told me, Josh, preach whatever you feel tonight, ever. I said, whatever I feel, he said, yeah. My, let me just give you a little history. My dad was so hard on me growing up. When I started preaching, he gave me hand signals like a catcher in baseball. One was slow down. Two was smile more. Three was don't go there. And he wouldn't sit on the front row like Pastor Kyle and give me the, he would walk up. If I didn't see him, he would walk up to the platform and I'm, ah, and he'd be like. I'm not talking like once or twice. I mean, I was a full-time evangelist. I'd come home thinking I was a hot shot. I'd be like, I can't wait to preach your dad. He's going to see. And I was I say wrong. Every service, no matter how good it was, people could be running the aisles. He'd be like, I'm like, can you do it down there? So when I say, he said, preach whatever you want, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> Who is this person? This is not my dad. And I preached on a Wednesday night. Sacrifice and God will show you. And on a Wednesday night, in Palmer, Alaska, a blue-collar town, $157,000 was laid on the altar. They deposited the next day. They finished their building, remodeled their old building, have a sanctuary now that seats like 360. They're filling that up like crazy. Some of you, you two over there that are sleeping, wake up. I'm talking to you. Yeah, wake him up. 
Yes, sir. When God is moving and God starts breaking things, churches that have been stuck at a ceiling can break through that ceiling and never go back again to the level that they were at. Oh, I'm going to stir it right now. I don't care if you like it or not. I just finished a revival in Dallas, Texas, where in 12 weeks, 365 got the Holy Ghost. On that first Sunday, there were 350 people in that church. A week or two later, we preached on this giving, and the people gave $127,000. On that last Sunday, there were over 700 people in that church. Let me tell you about a God that if you get all the way in, can blow your mind with what... It's not the will of God that those seats are always empty right there in this middle section. It's not the will of God for those seats to be. It's not the will of God that you stay in this building forever either. Where are my shouters now on that? It's not the will of God that you stay bound in a building and cannot be yourself and cannot advertise and cannot be what you want to be and do what you want to do. It's the will of God to give you favor, to bless you, to help you, to bring you out of everything that hell has held on you. It's the will of God to bring you out of storms that hell say would never end. It's the will of God to get the last word every single time in every single situation, whether it's corporately or individually. And it's not the will of God that you think will never get out of this room. Oh, I know I've got a few of you stirred up right now. I just took a walk around the sanctuary to see who was mad. And I can see your spirit. It's the will of God for you to realize that you've got a key right now. And that key can break you out of a dimension that hell has had you tapped into and satisfied being in. In one Revival. I watched that church in Dallas. I watched it grow and double. I'm not talking about a special service. The special service was Easter, and we had 800-something. But in the revival, I watched the attendance grow and double. When they gave, God moved. Because it's the key. If you need an answer, give. If you need a breakthrough, Give. You need a situation changed? Give. You need a healing in your body? Give. You need direction from God about a matter you cannot figure it out. You've prayed every prayer. You've read every verse. You've fasted. You've done everything you can do. Give. And it shall be given unto you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Let's stand right now. Every spirit of doubt and unbelief by the authority of the word of God and the power in the name of Jesus, I curse you right now and you will be silent. And I pray in the name of the Lord that the gift of faith would rush this audience right now and the spirit of sacrificial giving. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Billy Cole used to say the first voice is God. Second voice is you. Third voice is the devil. I want you to listen for the first voice, what you're supposed to do. You might have to, I don't, I, you have to, you can put it up on the screen if you text and, or if you have a website. I don't know what, you, what you've got. But, but if you've got some, the, the, whatever the voice says, that's what the Lord wants. And when you obey God, no matter what hell says to you, when you're all the way in with God, they cannot stop the blessing of the Lord from coming to you. It's biblical. They cannot stop it. He said, if you prove me with your tithes and offerings, I will open up the windows of heaven. That's how powerful heaven is. Think about that. If you open up your window to your car or your house, air from the outside comes in. 
when God opens his windows, what's inside goes out. I will open up the windows. I don't need any music right now, guys. Nothing right now. I want a spirit of sacrifice to hit this building. This is a message people do not like. There are three things you can preach about as an evangelist to make sure people get mad at you. Number one, submission to their pastor. Number two, hell. Number three, giving. Three things hell does not want people to understand. Submission to authority, hell is real, and giving breaks the back of the enemy. What did God call you to do? If you've done it, if you did what he said already, because I know several of you came and gave, I want you to come stand up in the altar right now. If you did what he told you to do, come stand up here right now. If you've not done what he's told you to do, do it right now. If you can't do it right now, still come up here because you're going to do it this week. Come stand in the altar right now. Those that sow sparingly shall reap sparingly. Those that sow bountifully shall reap bountifully. We are not going to be weary and worried. We are about to worship because you, if you've ever been more sure of the miracle, you should never be more sure than right about now. Because now when you're all the way in, it, it is God's responsibility. You want Bible for that? Look up, look up Hebrews 11 when it says he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That word rewarder is mesthapadates. It means the boss or the employer, the one who pays the wages of. In other words, when you give, when you seek him with everything, he becomes responsible for taking care of you. waiting for all of you. You make your way down. If you're going to obey God, make your way down. If you obeyed God, make your way down. Let there be unity. Oh, if I've ever felt spirit stir up, I felt while I was preaching today. This is going to break something hell has been holding on to. pastor's about to say something before he does i feel in the holy ghost to release a prayer of worship and thanksgiving unto god for something specific in your own individual life right now would you lift your hands and lift your voice and thank god right now for something specific would you thank god i'm not talking beg god i'm not talking ask god Thank God for something only God can do. Thank God for something only God can do. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor right now. I want you to look them in the eye, and I want you to get faith in your spirit. The gift of faith is in here. Let it get on you right now. Let it get in your spirit right now. Look them eyeball to eyeball. Do not look with intimidation or fear. Look them with faith, and I want you to say these words. Your miracle is on the way right now. Say it again. Your miracle is on the way right now one more time with faith your miracle is on the way right now now i want you to grab their hand and begin to thank god because something's about to release in the heavenlies let there be a releasing let there be a breaking let there be an answer where all of hell fears something's about to break let it be done in the name of jesus in the name of let there be a miracle right here in the name of the lord 
Cancer, be gone right now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Cancer, be gone right now. Diabetes, be gone right now. Fibromyalgia, be gone right now. Arthritis, be gone right now in the name of Jesus. Here's what I feel. Oh, hell's nervous right now. There's nothing more powerful than an altar, a worship session with substance behind it. There's nothing more powerful than a pain-filled praiser who just sacrificed, and they shout with some substance. They shout with some pain. They shout with what they're going through. Here's what I feel. For 30 seconds, we are going to shout unto God with everything inside of us for what only God's about to do. We're going to give him all the praise. If you normally patty cake it, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about no one else in the building but you and Jesus. And you're going to give him glory for something you know you need him to do. And at the end of that 30 seconds, as you start shouting unto God, there will be a release of angels in this atmosphere. There will be miracles. There will be breakthroughs this week on your job. There will be answers to prayer this week in your house. In Jesus' name, are you ready? 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24, 23, 22, 21, 20 seconds, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, shout! Let the angels loose. 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 Come on, God, heal. Heal the leader right now. Come on, Holy Ghost, heal. Come on, Holy Ghost, take over. Angels are in the altar. Angels are in the altar. Anxiety leave now. Anxiety leave now. You will have victory. You will have faith. You will have peace. And a spirit of sleep is on you. You will rest tonight. You will rest tonight. You will sleep tonight. In Jesus' name. I feel a spirit of victory in here. I feel a spirit of victory in here. I feel a spirit of victory. A spirit of victory. Send the fire. Send the fire. The sacrifice is on the altar. Send the fire. Send the fire. Send the fire. tell you something I think there's one more level you need to tap in here in that revival by the Fosters he told this one time he said I was he said I, he said I was eight years old at my dad's church in West Monroe he said we had a lady out in the audience that every service raised their hand and said would you please pray for my husband to be saved he said every service and one night she raised her hand would you pray for my husband to be saved he said dad said no we're not going to pray for that You've asked that enough. As of this moment, you will shout and thank God every service for your husband's salvation. He said, and furthermore, every service before church starts, when you're at home, pull out an outfit for him. 
and pull out shoes for him for church and leave the house and come to the church. And he said, we had a corner called Shouter's Corner. He said, and every service, you come shout and worship God for him. He said, every service, she would set the clothes out. He'd start cussing at her. He'd mock her. He'd laugh at her. She'd go to church. She wouldn't sit in her pew. She went over to Shouter's Corner. And she would shout for the Lord. He filled him with the Holy Ghost. She would thank him for delivering him. For two years, every service, he mocked her. But on a Sunday night, two years later, she laid his clothes out and laid his shoes out and went to that church service and went down to Shouter's Corner and was shouting for what God was about to do. And while she was shouting, he was putting on those clothes at home and he put on those shoes and he made his way to the church and he walked down the aisle and he got in front of the pulpit and he raised his hands and God filled him with the Holy Ghost while she was shouting. I don't know what you're shouting up here for, but would you continue it right now? Because it's going to work. I said it's going to work. God is going to give you an answer to prayer. God is going to answer your prayer. God is going to hear your cry. Hallelujah. Your miracle is on the way right Grab the neighbor's hand. Pastor's coming. Grab your neighbor's hand. When you get ready to pray, pray in the Spirit. You've got the Holy Ghost. Pray until you're speaking in tongues. Let the Spirit of God pray through you as you grab that hand. You don't know the need. You don't know the severity of it. You don't know if it's mental, emotional, financial, if it's physical, if it's a family thing. You don't know, but you've got that hand. This is your moment. You've got the hand. So squeeze it with faith right now and let the Spirit of God pray through you the will of God for all things work together for good. Come on, somebody pray right now together. Somebody pray right now until they feel the faith coming through your hand, until they feel the anointing of God, until they feel the Spirit of God coming to their body. <laughs> 